Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to episode nine of Flixwatcher podcast. I'm Helen. And I'm Kobe. In this edition of Flix Watcher, we will be reviewing the Quentin Tarantino classic Pulp Fiction with Josh from Footballistically Arsenal and Dave from Fortitude Magazine. I hope you enjoy the show, guys. Remember, please visit us online at flixwatcher.tv. Come to our Twitter account at flixwatcherpod and please go to iTunes, subscribe and review. So guys, just as a big reminder, all films on the podcast were available on Netflix at the time of recording. There will be bad language. There will be spoilers. I hope you enjoy it. See you later. Welcome to this edition of Flix Watcher. And today we are joined by Dave and Josh. Dave, you want to say hello and uh, introduce yourself for us? Hi, yeah. My name is Dave Hudson. I'm a founder of Fortune Magazine. We're a online community of journalists covering politics music tv and film and everything so yeah thanks for having me what's <laughs> going on yeah it's great great to be here thank you for having us on i run something called play with a legend which is a company allowing members of the public the opportunity to play football with former footballers we're a bit of an agency for former football players and I'm also part of a different podcast, which is called Footballistically Arsenal, which, as the title suggests, is a weekly look back on everything related to Arsenal Football Club. Glad to have you on board. So, Dave, you chose Pulp Fiction. Indeed. Why? So, I'd like to say I am a film buff. I would like to say I am, but I'm only 24. So, there's only so many films that I've seen. And there's a lot of films that I'm supposed to have watched. And this is one of them. And I didn't want to watch it young i didn't want to watch it you know too late but it was perfect because i actually appreciate everything about it so <laughs> i think it was the right time i don't I, we asked people to give a synopsis but can you give us well have a go so yeah <laughs> pulp fiction where do you start there's three stories that make one big story <laughs> where do you even start because it's not even linear mate okay so it's not linear you follow two hitmen who are on a mission to to get a briefcase for their boss and you kind of follow them through mad, a mad mix of journeys that interwine with each other and you introduce so many different characters that are there and then they're not there and then they come back to them and then there's just so many different references to reservoir of dogs which by the way i haven't watched either so don't crucify me and yeah it's i, I think that's the first synopsis of I don't think we can go into too much depth, but there is, yeah, there's a yeah, three. There's, lots, there's a lot of stories going on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, even if you haven't seen Port Fiction, you will know at least three or four scenes. You may even know like quotes from it, having yeah. never even seen the film because it is so kind of ingrained in like our pop culture now. When yeah. Kobe said, we're doing Port Fiction, I went, oh, yeah, great. And yeah. Went, Dave's never seen it. And I went, oh, 
to be watching <laughs> Pulp Fiction for the first, the first time, time ever. Yeah. To it, have it that experience, great. I'm very jealous of you. It was one of those things kind of like, I hadn't watched all the Star Wars saga about until about four years ago. Mm-hmm. And then you watch it and you realize like all these pop culture references just fall into place. Yeah. And like you kind of understand everything and it's like, how has one film had so much influence on just... Well, Pulp Fiction has been huge. Culture, yeah. And I... I when the Pulp Fiction... Was it 94? 94, yeah. So I didn't... Obviously, I was, too, I was too young to watch. I was 14 at the time. But I knew Pulp Fiction through the soundtrack. Mm. I knew... So by the time I actually watched the film two years later when I managed to blag my way a copy from the local record... From the local uh, DVD rental place... That's how old I am. There's DVD. Yeah, you know, there's DVD. rent. Well, I rented it on video. Yeah, wow. it would have been a video actually. Yeah. But I knew because the soundtrack was so evocative because it had a lot of the quotes in there. Mm. I knew how the film kind of worked. But when I actually saw it, it was just wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be. It was like 20 million times better. Mm. And when you said you're going to watch it, because this is easily one of my top five films. So I'm super, super pleased that you, you mentioned this. So mm. Already, you can see there's going to be a few high scores going from my point of view. Josh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd watched it, but only once before and years ago, like a long time ago. And I, I didn't remember all the the storyline as much as I, I thought on reflecting it, you, you know, second time. And, and, and yes, how do you describe a two and a half hour film in, in three lines where there are different storylines going mm-hmm. in every different place? It's not an easy task. But, but yeah, incredibly enjoyable. And I, I guess there's maybe so many iconic people who are in it. Obviously, we've got uh, John Travolta, Samuel Jackson, Uber Thurman, Bruce Willis. You, you've got these absolutely iconic people of mm. our generation of, of watching films. And, you know, I have probably watched not even half of the films the, the, the other three of you have watched. I'm, I'm not a film buff in any way. But this, as you said, Helen, is so iconic. It, you know, it, it's so known. I think you can't help but at least recognise some of the sort of famous lines and quotes that have come out of it. And therefore, it was brilliant to sit and watch it again with almost different eyes, at a different age, at a different time. So, thank you, David. A great choice. You're welcome. <laughs> I think it's kind of interesting because you've like pulled out Bruce Willis, John Travolta, and Ian Thurman. Like at the time when this came out, I remember sort of going, Ugh. "Oh, yeah, but these actors—they make terrible films. They, were, they make they really were awful films, the and they were guys. really kind of making terrible films. You know, they were kind of." overweight losing hair or more more hair in the you know, case of bruce willis and it, it was just kind of like why would i want to go and watch a film with those guys and probably it's kind of strange when you watch it then with that kind of feeling whereas obviously now they've had a little bit of a resurgence it's not quite gone so well for all of them but it, it's yeah i can't i want to i wish i could have yeah. erased it and then rewatched it just to kind of have this conversation and have that kind of mm. new feeling about watching it because mm. uh, you know I watched it again recently and it's it's so great one thing I really like the the whole like non-linear thing is that you could effectively have it on loop and mm. come into the film at any point and basically watch it and so it starts so it kind of comes around again yeah mm. so it's got that kind of great thing that you can kind of like switch it on and like say it's on the tv and go oh I've only missed 20 minutes it'll be fine and just kind of watch the rest. I kind of love the, you can start at any kind of point or you can start different stories. Mm. And it's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I really enjoy this film. So that's quite an interesting point you raised. I, and John Travolta at the time was best known for the, for the Look Who's Talking too, Look Who's Talking <laughs> films. Samuel L. Jackson was in a quite a few films, but no one really significant. I think he was in like- He was probably just about clean at yeah, that part. He was in Loaded Weapon and he was, he was a part in Jasper Park, like yeah. you said. Uma Thurman and Bruce Willis. So I mean, 
seeing as you, Dave, hadn't had you weren't watching, you weren't aware of it at the time. Mm. What did you think? This is the film that really kicked those guys up again. Yeah, absolutely. And is it like the Matthew McConaughey effect? Matthew like McConaughey. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, you're right. I, I was reading online just to, again, a sort of background for this. Is in terms of Travolta took a absurdly low fee in return for being part of it. And it was set as almost re- revitalized his career on the back of it. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. So obviously, you know, 1994, I was seven, completely oblivious to <laughs> anything that was going on in this space. But to, to look back and realize how not only iconic as a film, to the extent it got in your top five, which is yeah. incredible, not only iconic as a film, but, you know, in, in changing those people's and those actors' fortunes. So that's, that's amazing to think of that as well. And this is only Tarantino's second directorial film. Mm. Yeah. His third third screenplay yeah that have gone to print i mean they they must have just you know on the base you mean you haven't seen you've said you've not seen reservoir dogs you should do because it it is awesome i i don't think it's as good as port fiction as a film as a whole but you know watching that for the first time it it's you still can't believe this i mean i watch port fiction now and still think you know that was made in 1994 Mm. it could have been made last week yeah it's it's just not aged because it because the characters obviously inhibit this very strange world where it's kind of happening now but they've they're not because of the way they dress the music they listen to where they talk where they go i mean they go to this burger bar which is obviously a retro themed burger bar but the period that it's meant to be emulating they're kind of living in it so it just has this extremely timeless quality about it which is great and i mean it just looks which is we've got some pictures up in front and they're just if we, you could guess now which pictures would be up there, you know, there's the dance scene, scene with the burger, there's, you know, Uma Thurman, who is fantastic in this. Yeah. Like, I have this thing that Tarantino kind of writes really fun and interesting roles for women. Oh, there's Jackie not, Brown, yeah. There's not that many directors out there that put females as kind of like their main characters and makes them completely badass, but also kind of... <laughs> You know they are quite vulnerable as well so his portrayal of women in most of his films is re- is really really interesting and good point. It's, it's quite rare to see someone do that with cinema well i don't i don't know if there is a favorite of the three stories so the three stories are the gold watch vincent vega and marcellus wallace's wife Mar- marcellus wallace's wife and the bonnie situation mm. <laughs> <laughs> are there does anyone, does anyone have a favourite of those stories that went through or can you separate them out or can you... I, I love Vincent Vega. I mean, I didn't... I didn't first, Vincent Vega. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't enjoy the, the watch thing too much. I mean, it's just like, it's a watch, dude. Just just, <laughs> just <laughs> leave town. You can buy a new watch. Yeah, but it's kind of just Start your own legacy. Oh, yeah, but I mean... I, th- I have a slight yeah. wrinkle in that because if, if it was such an important thing, mm. just take it with you. Yeah, with yourself, don't we? do what his dad <laughs> did. <laughs> yeah. Doing a boxing match. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm POW camp, sure, but a boxing match. I mean, same thing, right? Maybe I don't know. It's fine. Does anyone have a favourite story that they that they take from it? Or well, I, I like the end. I mean, the ending sounds a, a sort of you know because it's that, that moment of clarity. Because you know, even in this world of, of gangsters and shooting people, he manages to to see that the fact he should have died. Yeah. That that you know these bullets were flying around him, and and therefore that's his moment of clarity. That's his decision to <laughs> to go and live a life uh, without crime, to the extent where 
you know, we, we talk about this ultimate idea of redemption. This is me thinking back to like Judaism now when I'm Jewish. And you talk about the <laughs> ultimate idea of redemption is when you find yourself in exactly the same situation as where you've been in the past, but you act differently. It, it, it's that sign of what what's changed. Yeah. And he finds himself in that final scene in the diner, putting a gun to someone's face, who he has every right in his world to, you know, say goodbye to. And yet not only does he not, he 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 allows the guy to walk off with all this money and the wallets and you know, and he's kind of just fabulous. He goes, no more, no more for me. And I'm giving this briefcase and then I'm out of here. And that, that I, kind of, I kind of liked. A bit simplistic, maybe I've made it, but there you go. Well, not at all. I mean, that was the end of the film, but, yeah. it's, but it's, not the, it's not the end of the story, is it? Cause if no. you, story, well, the briefcase is still in hand. Yes. No. Yeah. No, what I mean is it's the, that's the second, I guess if it follows from a linear point of view, that's, is that the middle of the actual story arc well, as a whole? Let's not maybe go into that. Yeah, story. let's not think about it too much because I think if you do try and think about it too much, then you do kind of start picking holes in the timeline and it, I think you should just... Just enjoy think, it. Yeah, just it. enjoy it. I mean, one bit that, I don't know, is the bit, I can't remember, is it kind of where they've... It's got Marvin and he's in the back of the car. Yeah. Mm. And he's like, you got to have an opinion. Yeah. And it's just... It's hilarious. It's just one of those really bizarre, completely comes out of nowhere moments and... Obviously, then Mr. Wolf comes along and yeah. hoses them down, and the obligatory Tarantino cameo. Oh, Tarantino, that was. And it's just <laughs> there's there's so many great moments in it that are okay. There's some like little bit violence and kind of it's kind of really obscure ultra violence as well in a way, but it's kind of funny and the characters in it are all endearing. Yeah, they're yeah. just. You know, there's just something about the way that they've been written that, you know, um, Samuel Jackson and John Travolta have this like this great buddy relationship. Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. they're great on screen together and their little arguments and like the little mm. things that they have between them. Mm. You know, Uma Thurman and John Travolta dancing and this kind of awkward romance they've yeah, got. One, one coke at one on heroin. Yeah. And, you know, it's yeah. I think I, it's great. One thing I really loved when I heard the soundtrack before even watching the film is that was the conversations that would happen that go, went on and the quarter pound with cheese royal with cheese conversation yeah that, you know slays me every single yeah. time you know, big big kahuna but there's so many yeah. quotable lines there's so many things there travolta and samuel jackson were made to be together in this film yeah. and you know it kind of tears me up a bit that they've samuel jackson went separate ways after it in the in the story of pulp fiction Mm. It'd be nice to it'd be nice to think that they're still together and you know driving around in the same beaten up car and killing people, killing people, yeah. and yeah, yeah stuff. You know, it's I just yeah, just love the the conversational style of he, yeah. Quentin Tarantino's script has never been better than I think than in this. Absolutely, I, I think these these comical moments that we've just touched upon there is what's so great that they even in this ridiculous world of, of, <laughs> of killings. And there's a moment even where I think Mr. Wolf goes around and tries to, you know, address this, this you know, situation. How do we clean this up? How do we move forward? But he still sort of has time to sit there and have a cigarette yeah. and like tell have me what to do, have, have, have his cup of tea and be really clear about these. <laughs> there's kind of absurd moments, but, you know, that, you know, I think just make it make it the, the brilliant script that it is. You, you're sitting there and you always think, how did he write this? Because it feels so natural. It's like you almost can't write it. It almost feels like you are just a fly in the wall of these people's just day-to-day life and their activities. And I just think that's what makes it so brilliant because it feels so personal in a way. You know, you're just watching it and it's just 
just flows. It, it just, just flows. flows. Washes yeah. over you and yeah. you're enveloped in it and stuff like yeah. that. It did win the Oscar for best screenplay. I believe it was co-wrote with someone. I think there's there's, there's three stories and Tarantino was, uh, was attributed to the story of two of them and the other guy, I can't remember what his name was. I used Roger to know. Avery. Yeah. Was it Roger Avery? Yeah. He, he wrote the other story. And I think it won the Palm. Did it win the Palm Door? It did indeed, yeah. yeah. And that's what made, that's what brought it to my attention. It's like, even back at 14, it's like, shit, it's won the Palm Door. I don't pay attention to the Palm Door nowadays because I, I can't, a lot of the stuff that comes out of cans can. It doesn't interest me that much as a, if it's a, if it's a prize winner. But this was... This to be is, honest, Tarantino's films don't really interest me that much these days, but... Uh, yeah, I'm not seen Hair for Late yet. No, me neither. Please I, don't. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I, I the thing that really... Tarantino films are known for being very violent and I didn't feel like this film was as violent as say I was going to ask about that because yeah. I watched I think the first Tarantino film I watched was Inglorious Bastards and then it was Django and I'm like the, the, I mean Tarantino's just if it, it feels like he's just he kind of has to play up now to yeah, the it has to it's like thing. the the tick card of yeah. the checklist like does it have this does it mm. have that yeah and you know nowhere near if any of his recent releases have been anywhere near this fun even no. with Reservoir Dogs, there's a lot of fun in that. Mm. It's just, it's kind of got a bit, he's got a bit serious, a bit poncy and a bit. I, I think it's the naivety yeah. thing. The naive, he has that naivety of just making something he wants to make. And now it's more about just doing what the studios are telling him to do. Do you think with, with 2016 eyes, it is actually that violent? No. Because there's, there's not that much, you don't see actually that much blood. There's a lot of gunfire going off. I mean, but then, you know, we've completely skipped the scene, which... Oh, the male rape. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, oh, that... Oh, yeah, that's true. We've kind of missed that bit. And, you know, doesn't he take a chainsaw? You know, the outcome is... I can't remember he takes, how he does. He gets a samurai sword. Yeah. That's it. So, you know, that, that little snippet there, it goes from being kind of like a little bit lighthearted and, okay, you know, Bruce Willis's kind of escape thing to being really really dark yeah true. very quickly mm. and it kind of turns and that's kind of the one thing when you kind of rewatch it you almost forget that's in there yeah. and then you're like oh shit it's that and then you've kind of got because obviously the gimp is the funny side of it and then there's also that really really horribleness there's also that that question of the unknown because when you know Bruce Willis runs off and you know he's off onto the motorbike but you're sort of left in there aren't you with uh Marcellus Wallace you know, claiming that he's about to get medieval on the police <laughs> officer, yeah. great thing. Uh, and you're kind of thinking, well, we don't see it, mm. so you know, it's not quite as, I guess, graphic as it it could have been. But yeah, I mean, the the other what was the other bit of com the comedy? We were just looking at the photos up here again, and we've got that picture of yeah, Uma Thurman with the milkshake. That was another wonderful moment. Five like, shake. Because even now you think that's, that's not cheap for a milkshake. <laughs> this is 1994. Yeah. Yeah. I did sit there trying to wonder what, what was $5 in 1994 and that's obviously quite a lot of money. Mm. And that was, yeah, great. You know, another sort of just one of those sort of softer moments of, of comedy that, you know, maybe make us sort of think of it a bit lighter than, mm. than it could have been. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm just tinted by like Game of Thrones and Walking Dead where you're just used to seeing insane amount of violence and yeah. sexual and like tones and stuff. So... And that's just on that's just just that's on, on TV, TV every day. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, where to start? And especially because <laughs> I I felt like I, I'm not sure if if it was taken directly, but you know the a lot of the, the Grand Theft Auto film films games 
have this kind of vibe so you know i i play grand theft auto a lot so you you kind of are desensitized to it now but it it, it the storytelling is the thing that keeps you hooked when i think it's it's not the shock and awe of someone having their chest blown up after while eating a burger that doesn't shock me anymore no. i mean those things were uh, when i watched them at perhaps 15 16 i was mm. properly kind of I don't know if I was shocked or just mind blown as to say what one more time. Mm. Just those, it's those lines combined with the violence and mm. him Samuel just flipping on a on mm. a on a sixpence mm. going into that into the into the Bible quote is equal twenty five seventeen. Yeah. You know, just shooting the guy dead in, in the sofa mm. to without him necessarily doing anything. There's I don't know, so many there's so many looking at the images here, like Josh says, there's so many cool and awesome scenes. There's the, the dance scene, there's sticking adrenaline through her heart because she's overdosed and yeah. I mean again it's that's one of those really really finely balanced moments where it's a really horrible situation and she is dying and you know it could go either way we've got Absolutely, no idea yeah. at this point and then obviously spoilers she she comes to and they're all kind of laughing and it's it's kind of that that is the like the level of the movie all the way through there's kind of this excitement the uncertainty the familiarity the jokes it's he hasn't quite, I don't think, reached this peak. I think this will be his masterpiece. This is what people will remember him for. Is this your favourite of his films? It's hard because I, I really, really like Jackie Brown. Oh, I think, true. Yeah. I think that's, that is really strong. But I think this has everything. This has the this has the cameos. You know, you've got Steve Buscemi in a cameo. Yeah. You've got like Tim Roth in a cameo. You've got like... Crystal Walken. In a cameo. This and you've always, got... Always a pleasure. The soundtracks, the costumes... The period it invokes, you know, the the non-linear storytelling, which, you know, has been done so many times now, but he kind of got there first. Yeah. He he will never reach these giddy heights, having seen <laughs> Hateful Eight ever again, unfortunately. But, you know, it's kind of, if you were doing film studies now, this is kind of like the postmodern film. This mm. is, you know, the one that people will look to when it changed cinema. Because it did do, uh, the, you the know, non- with the soundtracks, with the casting, the non-linear, yeah, the non-linear. This was a Moneyball film, wasn't it? In terms of the, in terms of taking low-ranking actors and showing that they can perform together as, as a piece. I, I mean, to show how, how influenced I was about this film, I, I got a wallet, a bad motherfucker wallet. <laughs> well, I, for, I had the, I had the poster on my wall for years the, and years. The, yeah. I had like two. I had, yeah, I, I had at least two Pulp Fiction posters on my. <laughs> My wall, the soundtrack going on. I knew all the words of the soundtrack. The soundtrack was, I mean, we talk about the soundtrack, and that's one thing that Quentin Tarantino carved out really well. And a lot of, and Scorsese does it well, is that kind of jukebox soundtrack where Tarantino is famous for only picking films that, that are soundtracks uh, that he owns, music that he owns. And I think from Dusty Springfield, Son of a Preacher Man, through to, you know, as a teenage wedding, Chuck Berry. Yeah. Chuck Berry works perfectly with every kind of core and asset and, mm. and angle of this film. What are your thoughts on the soundtrack? I love the soundtrack. I mean, have anything you, Have you that, heard it before? This, this I hadn't, no. <laughs> I hadn't, no. I mean, you know, as someone that just is all about soundtrack, you know, like Drive and, you know, and other like insane soundtracks that makes the film, like this is one of those ones you look back, you're like, the soundtrack is just as good as the, as, as the film, yeah. you know? It kind of it also hinges on a lot of the key scenes, like the mm. dance scene is soundtracked. Mm. You know, 
urge overkill you'll be a woman uh, other things as well it, it's it's all it's just everything together just works really 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 well and um it is as like i said before it's a lot of fun it's tarantino at his best mm. and you know it is quite long but mm. it doesn't really feel like that because you know it because it's the pace it's so well paced mm. that you know there's not really a, a, a moment where it kind of dips which i think overall in some of his more recent films they tend to get a bit overindulgent whereas this is all the way through you kind of got pure tarantino for the whole thing what do you think was in the briefcase <sighs> i think it was just a light bulb attached to a to a short to a circuit uh, like a community <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, yeah t- uh, i think the two and a half hours thing is because it's two and a half hours long isn't it might be a little bit more even and that would if someone's yeah that kind of puts me off going to even going to the cinema that kind of length of film and i think that i'll when we come to the scoring system shortly that's probably what would nowadays limit my desire to watch it again especially mm-hmm. because we're talking about netflix films they're talking about things on netflix it's, it's so easy to get access to a lot of good mm. content nowadays mm. that things that are longer mm. simply don't get a look in for me that much because I think you know I can watch Ferris Bueller's Day Off twice and watch uh, Lord of the Rings yeah. one one episode so that's, that seems to me like better bang mm. for book should we go to the scoring system should we go yeah. to the score let's uh, see uh, see how we come out with this one so uh, you pick the film so oh. Dave, do you want to give us your score? Recommendability. Yeah, the rec- recommendability. Can I, can I do a 5.99? No, I'll go with a, fi- a 4.9. What? I can't, I, it, nothing's ever perfect, is it? But it's not fair. <laughs> Depends how you look at the world, uh, Dave. Yeah, I think. it's true. I mean, I, 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 I sat down with my girlfriend to watch it and she got bored after like an hour because it was she got lost. So it's not for everyone, but sure. it is one of those films that I just, I'm like, yes, you need to watch it. You do need to watch it. Josh. Yeah, I'd go four and a half. I think I think it's an absolute classic film that has, you know, long survived the test of time. I don't think there are that many films I'd probably imagine sort of wanting to sit down for two and a half hours, especially now when you, as you say, when there's so much easily accessible and 90 minutes or 100 minutes feels like enough time. But when it came to sort of this being, you know, Dave's suggestion as to, to what we would watch in advance of sitting down together, I was I was happy to, and I think happy to because I knew I would watch it in a different way to them watching it, I think, around 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't quite remember. So, you know, I would recommend it strongly. If, if someone hadn't seen it, I would say, you know, this is a, a film worthy of two and a half hours of your time. No, absolutely. Helen? I've got to get a fight. I mean, watching this, you know, when you're 15, like back in the 90s, this was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And watching it now, I enjoy it. I mean, I know what's coming, but also I kind of forget. It's like, oh, yeah, that story's in with that bit. And kind of enough time elapses between it for me to come back to it again and again and again. And just, I just think it is the best Tarantino film. And if you have even the inkling of interest in cinema or popular culture even, mm. then, you know, you should definitely watch this. I, I'm i going to give it a 4.9 only because I couldn't recommend it to my parents. <laughs> my dad loves this film. Yeah, I don't think my parents would like it. But I think there's a small number of people, but if you haven't seen it, and when, like, when Dave said I hadn't seen it, I was just like, excited for me, like Helen said I was excited that you hadn't seen it and you've gone watch it for the first time and this is you know the first time you talked about it was with us and I was like yes it was you know what I'll just give it a five I don't know why 4.9 that's ridiculous <laughs> repeat viewing score Dave it's it you know it's up there with like 
you know, Lost in Translation and, you Ooh. know, Back to the Future and, you yeah. know, just, you know, Alien and, you know, just those, I mean, it's just, you've got to watch it like a million times because you can, you can, you can watch it once and you, that's not even scratching the surface. You need to keep going over and combing and combing again as much references and little bits that you can. So you've just got to keep watching it until you die, basically. You <laughs> finally understand every little bit about it. So what? What does that give you? Four point nine. Josh, the consistency <laughs> to your scoring, Dave. Oh, well, I, th- I think I'd probably go about three, and that's probably mainly in in my attitude to watching things back. For example, I think one of my favourite ever films is Shawshank Redemption. I just looked up how long that is. It's nearly three hours, that isn't it? It's not. It says yeah. here. Well, as I look up online, it says one hundred and forty-two minutes, which would be two hours twenty-two, which would make it shorter. And yet, I think mentally, I always think, I'd love to, but I just don't have two and a half hours. Mm. And yet, actually, it's shorter than Pulp Fiction. And so I, I can't go more than three only on the grounds that I don't usually think I ever want to give up two and a half hours to something I've already seen when there's so much I, I haven't seen. Yeah. And, and like you, you, you say, you know, this world of Netflix opens you up to so much, so many opportunities. I, I think I would find it hard to justify in my head the idea there wasn't something I would rather watch for the first time than go back and watch. But, uh, but if I was to go back and watch something, sure, this is this is there, so it's three. You know, I'm completely with you that I would be, you know, there are so many other films out there that I should watch, but this is one of them that I would happily give two and a half hours to watch again and again and again. And I've, you know, I've been watching it for, you know, Good ten years now, so 10, I mean, years, yeah, yeah. I, I I'm going to give it a four. I mean, only I'm not going to give it a five because it, it is long, and I have said that I can quite happily watch it at any point, and you know, watch the rest of it without you know being slightly niggled that I've not missed the start. So that's why I'm not going to give it a five because I can kind of dip into it whenever and yeah. still enjoy it. I think post for me, I'm going to give it a four. Post, sorry, prior to Netflix. It would have been a Stone Cold Five. I think I watched it at least twice a year when when it first. Because you came probably out. would have had to have got out your your VHS copy, yeah, put it in the player, or your DVD copy. VHS. I had it on VHS. Well, I got it on VHS and then DVD and then Blu-ray. That, that kind of sad person, pathetic person that I was. But now, because of the prolificness of media, that like you say, Josh, and how I've alluded to it before, it just makes it a difficult choice to make. I'd rather it'd be nice to watch. Yeah what's something new I think sometimes and hopefully you'll find your new Pulp Fiction but I can't I think I wouldn't go long more than a year or a year and a bit without watching Pulp Fiction generally so it's going to be it's going to be high but if it was an hour and a half short if it's an hour shorter then you know it would be a Stone Cold Five I think yeah very good so what's next small screen you've got small to go to Dave on yeah I have a 47 inch TV so it was great <laughs> Oh, you show off. Yeah, I know, but you know, if it was anything smaller than that, uh, you you lose a lot of the magic. So I'd give it a two and a half okay. small screen. Josh, go three here. I feel yeah, it, it it feels like a film you would want to sit in the cinema and enjoy more than you would at home, but not that you can't enjoy it at home. So I guess I fall somewhere in the middle. So I've gone three. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to th- give it a three as well. I mean, I. I didn't see it at the cinema. I would have obviously loved to have seen it at the cinema, but I'm quite happy watching it on a on a laptop. But I'm also kind of thinking that I'd actually really like to go to a 
kind of secret cinema Pulp Fiction oh, themed night. Good and, God, that'd be amazing. You know, kind of have an immersive experience with this that's kind of played around a lot of the events and watch it on a big screen with a group of people who really, really love it yeah. and watch it all the way through. So, um, yeah. Three? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give it 3.5. I've only ever seen it on the, on the small screen. And back then it wasn't even a flat screen when the first, first few times I watched it. So it's only getting better. But yeah, I would love to see it. If it came to Prince Charles Cinema, for example, I'd be, I'm sure it has been at some point on Prince Get Charles Cinema. Get to dress up. And, yeah. You know. Quote along, sing along to the have tunes. Have big, big kahuna burgers. Yeah, amazing. $5 milk, milkshakes. Oh. It'd be great. Yeah. Engagement score. Four. <laughs> It is hard to keep engaged with with it sometimes. Like when you guys came in and we were talking talking about we watched the community episode yeah. that referenced it. I was like, who are those? Who is Annie and and Troy supposed to be? And you're like, oh, it's Pumpkin and Honey and Honey Bunny. I was like, oh yeah, those two. I forgot about those two because there's just there's so much going on. Like it is hard to engage, especially in the age of Snapchat. You know, <laughs> were you Snapchatting whilst Pulp Fiction was on? No, yeah, it's it's really <laughs> to do with like you know you have like now you have eight seconds worth of concentration and, mm. and you do have to concentrate on it now and but i reckon if it was like 15 years ago like you would be like yeah this is great well i think this is an interesting one in terms of when you're in a cinema you are less distracted yeah it, your phone is invariably off you are sat with someone else and you don't really have all the distractions that you might do in your house the thought of going to the fridge or so you sit there more so i think i i can't because I've seen it in a, in a Netflix environment, seeing it at home, I can't really go more than sort of three and a half here because it because it is that long. And I, I don't think I could sit and necessarily watch at home. I didn't manage to sort of sit there without stopping mm. at some point. I can't remember exactly when I assume sort of just after halfway. And that I don't think is, is ideal. I think you, you would like to think that you, I mean, clearly it's designed to be watched in, in one go. And therefore, if I fail to do that, I can't go beyond sort of 3.5 territory. Or maybe that just sort of <laughs> signifies my inability to sit still for that length of time. But I, I can only go three and a half. Helen? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll, I'll give it a four or three, three and a half. I'm going to give it a four anyway, just because it's kind of part personal engagement and also a, a little bit of what you've kind of said. I think for anyone watching it the first time, you're either going to, go completely batshit over the long linear thing and just be like really into it or you're going to get confused and frustrated and be like it's two and a half hours I don't even know what's going on who's this person have we met them before and some kind of switch off but for me personally you know I've seen it before and I'll watch it again and you know I'll sit there and I'll, I'll watch it and I you know I will enjoy it and we'll stick with it all the way through and yeah, I mean, for me, I just think it's great, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's a four, in I'm, a nutshell. I'm giving it a four. Slightly too long. Slightly bit too... Well, I don't know. It's, that's the, the only thing that's going against it is the length. Yeah, after, yeah, I just love this film. I think it's magic. And yeah, easily, one, like I said, one of my top five films. Mm. I'm going to keep a note of these. So I see how many the top fives are actually in the top five. Do you do five. this every time, Kobe? Yeah, every, every like... time it's top five or bottom five right. film. There's no in-between. Right. <laughs> <laughs> only allow your brain to remember 10 films you've seen at one time you have a promotion and relegation from yeah, top exactly. five to bottom five very quickly so that gives us an overall score of 3.9 which is very commendable it is commendable but wouldn't you have thought it would be higher I, I wouldn't did... you have sat here half an hour 40 minutes ago and thought that is going to end yeah. up high and maybe you need to look at the scoring system 
That's, a, that's the only conclusion I can make. Great film because even I, I've ended up with the lowest of all four of us at, at three point five. And you've not really said anything negative and about I it. Negative I've said nothing. Other negative than I managed to not sit through it one one go. I had to have a sort of five minute break in the middle. But of course, I feel it's more than a three and a half out of five. I think uh, you'll admit the most important of all your options here is recommendability. Yeah, I mean that is that is even a hard. word? Recommendability? Well, you're, you the you're the journalist. You're the journalist. I'm not convinced. <laughs> I won't I won't hold it against you. But I, th- I think all of us clearly would put you know, four and a half, four point nine, five and five of recommendability. So yeah. we would all you know, just make anyone watch it if, if we had yeah, that yeah. choice. Absolutely. I think that's a fantastic place. Well, guys, let us know where we can find you again. Yeah, well, for me, for Josh, it's uh, at Josh underscore Lanzi on Twitter. But for podcast reasons, it's Footballistically Arsenal. So if you search that into iTunes or search Arsenal, where one of the first options come up. So if you happen to be a, a football fan, a fan of Arsenal, if you're not, you probably won't enjoy it. So if you are a fan of the red side of North London, then please do join us there and uh, look forward to yeah, having you join us. You can find me at Fortitude Magazine. Just Google us. We're on Facebook, Twitter and everything. We just launched our new official spotify verified playlist so if you You're like spotify verified we are spotify verified so if you would Ooh. like to thank you so if you like to listen to music that isn't justin bieber or kygo come are they the anti-options? join us they are the only two options i think we we are going to set I might up a, pass on that we're going to set up a spotify playlist for the films that uh, sounds and good soundtracks and stuff that we play so i'm pretty much just going to copy paste all of the soundtrack and dump it in there because i think it's ace All right, guys. Uh, Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks to our awesome guests today, Dave from Fortitude Magazine and Josh from Footballistically Arsenal. Big up, as always, to our awesome editing guys, Tony and Jay from GL Productions, and thanks to the mighty people for their mighty tunes. As always, we are on iTunes where you can subscribe and review come find us on twitter we're at flickswatcherpod and the website where we've got all our full listings of this episode previous episodes at flickswatcher.tv 